Dennis Stewart, and what have we got for health naturally today? It's it's all about the time of year, isn't it? It's not about unseasonal warm temperatures. <laughs> well, I was hoping it was going to be a bit colder today, Jane, because I'm going to talk about three supplements that are very, very useful for coping with what we might call wintertime ailments when winter comes. Remember, you can get your question on health. Uh, might be something to do with winter, but might be something to do with something else as well. 49216216 to get your question through to Dennis Stewart today. It isn't quite cold yet, Dennis Stewart, mm. but it is predicted to be coming uh, pretty cooler, soon. Pretty, pretty soon. soon. Pretty soon. Jane. And usually around about this time, there are three mm. supplements that you like to talk about. We to do. Help I think us. we've done that a couple of years actually, and uh, and it's always useful because when I hear uh, on the radio on the television encouragement, particularly for elderly people to be vaccinated against the flu, and that is the right thing, I think. Well, this is the time we should be looking at what sort of nutritional or herbal supplements that might be useful also to augment the uh, the defence that we all need, particularly elderly patients, in fighting against some of these flus, which are seemingly becoming more vigorous. And so whilst we encourage, particularly our elder po- elderly population, to take advantage of flu vaccination, don't forget the following little hints that I'm going to give now that I have done for many years, and I'm encouraged to believe that many listeners, clients and patients uh, get benefit from them. First of all, this is the time to think about um, boosting one's immunity. Now, I know that's a a fairly loose expression, but what we're looking at uh, are the ways in which natural supplements, uh, well-known natural supplements, have a reputation for being immunosupportive. And that means when they are taken regularly uh, as medication almost, they have the effect of priming the body's immune system to become more effective when it's challenged by a pathogen. And so a herb like echinacea, which I've had a lot to do with, Jane, for probably 40, 50 years of my life, echinacea has, uh, has been with me, so to speak. I think we've spoken about it on the program before, about its history, even associated with Professor Elliot from this university. Echinacea is still, throughout the English-speaking world, the most frequently utilised immunosupportive remedy. It would easily be the most popular uh, natural supplement for resisting uh, challenges to the immune system, particularly what we might call wintertime challenges. So I encourage listeners out there who may uh, feel as though they need to be looking at many ways of improving their resistance to seriously consider going to their pharmacy, uh, to the health food store, and starting on a course of echinacea. We make very good products of echinacea in this country. Much of the herb is grown here now. And I can only vouch for my experience with it, saying that uh, it stands up to the reputation that it has, and it's one of the frontline remedies to be used at this stage, regardless of what else one is doing, as a means of assisting one's immune system in fighting more effectively, if and when we're challenged by a viral or even mild bacterial infections. So that's the first supplement we need to take on board. Uh, As well as that, for years I've promoted the idea also of taking on board what is the basis of most traditional medicine systems, that when we come into cold uh, weather conditions, we should take on board what traditional medicine, Asian medicine, particularly Ayurvedic medicine, uh, believes that cold 
can in fact be a pathogen. And that is that cold in many traditional medicine systems uh, uh, is seen as something that can compromise the immune system and that something that can be withstood by incorporating certain foods and particularly herbs that have an opposing element. And what we mean by this is there are many herbs that are referred to as heating herbs or, or, or warming herbs. And they are the herbs that we frequently mention even on this program herbs like uh, cayenne and the remarkable ginger. And I mention ginger because uh, ginger is an underrated medicinal herb. It, it might interest listeners to know that um, in our literature, the regular uh, medical use of ginger products is seen to be very useful in dealing with very chronic congestive respiratory conditions. And ginger, of course, is a milder but nevertheless a warming herb which again would be very useful, particularly for people that as they go into the colder weather, begin to get very congested, maybe build up a lot of mucus. See it from the uh, traditional medicine perspective that cold weather, uh, cold conditions, cold climate, colds themselves from a natural medicine perspective are considered to be usefully combated by bringing into one's diet or into one's supplement regime those herbs that are referred to as warming herbs, to be taken, by the way, regularly, not just ad hoc. If these things are going to work, they must be seen as alternative or complementary medicines and taken in a disciplined way. Not everyone can take cayenne, although I, I love cayenne. I say most cayennes. My wife tricked me the other, other day. She uh, presented me with a green chilli, and usually they are very, very mild um, but this one caught me out, and I was bowled over. But um, I'm still getting over that event. But uh, there are various grades of chilli, and chilli, again, or capsicum as we call it in medicine, is, is a remarkably warming remedy and is used again in this context of warming up the diet, using supplements that counteract cold, seeing cold, as I've said, as a pathogen. Now, the third principle to take on board as my little trilogy of defensive measures, uh, particularly for elderly people who are compromised at this time of the year, uh, is don't forget the value of optimal levels of vitamin C. Now, you might say, oh, look, everyone knows about vitamin C. I was reading an article before I came to the program today, uh, a press article, uh, which indicated the uh, the way in which in Western countries processed foods now are so dominant that we are now seeing diseases thought to be associated with our retreat from fresh food. Now, when we retreat from fresh food, we retreat from a, a major source of vitamin C. So it is not going over the top to suggest that at this time of the year particularly, and particularly for elderly people who may be living on their own and, and maybe not taking as much notice of their diet as they should be, it's very important to appreciate uh, the work of Dr Linus Pauling that was done many, many years ago, controversial as it was, but it's still standing up, that optimal levels of vitamin C have a very significant effect in helping the immune system counteract particularly viral infections. Those three little supplements, I believe, if, starting, if started to be used now, have the potential to lessen the severity of a lot of these things that most of us are likely to experience over the next coming 
cold months. That is, Jane, if the cold weather comes. <laughs> I'm sure it will, Dennis. <laughs> and this is Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. In the meantime, though, Dennis, um, I've heard garlic um, is frequently used to ward off colds and things. Um, is there something to this? Look, I think garlic is uh, is one of the most, still one of the most underrated uh, natural remedies. It's not well known that that garlic was in fact a medication that was used in the First World War oh. to address many of the respiratory conditions that uh, men fighting in the trenches frequently experienced. It was even recognised then that it it had a, a very useful effect in addressing uh, addressing cold and, and influenza symptoms. So there's a long history associated with garlic. Our modern understanding of garlic has led us to understand that it contains a very, very locatable spectrum of active chemicals. So uh, all the anecdotal evidence of the past is now pretty well confirmed by what we call a phytochemical understanding of the herb, which points out those constituents in it that have the following principles, uh, antimicrobial principles, and that term means that garlic has uh, a capacity to fight some levels of infection, viral and even bacterial. Also, we know that garlic has some um, hypolipidemic activity. That means it can reduce lipid levels when persevered with and taken as a supplement. And interestingly, garlic also has some antihypertensive characteristics. That is, when it is regularly used in correct dosage, it can usefully, usefully improve one's blood pressure. So uh, garlic uh, is uh, something that even today, um, despite the fact that perhaps we just see it as a culinary herb, is in fact the backbone, the backbone of very many herbal treatments. Uh, Most patients, for instance, that will see me in my rooms at New Lambton who have chronic respiratory conditions will tell you the first thing they note when they take the liquid medication that I prescribe is the distinctive Uh, garlic taste and indeed sometimes the garlic odour that goes with it because interestingly uh, garlic has a particular affinity again for the respiratory system and of all the systems that it's used uh, uh, to treat uh, the respiratory system uh, bronchitis um, bronchiectasis uh, respiratory system diseases some of which are chronic and long-standing very very frequently respond to liquid uh, herbal medicine treatments uh, prescribed not only by myself but many others, pharmacists and herbalists, that contain liquid, uh, licorice and um, the, the garlic and echinacea and myrrh, in other words, a combination of liquid herbs to address a, a chronic respiratory infection is very, very dependent upon garlic playing a role. In fact, I dare to say that I wouldn't be able to... Um, I wouldn't be able to get the results that I believe we get in chronic respiratory conditions if we did not have a reliable liquid preparation of garlic with its incredible characteristics. So again, even though we've mentioned today the use of three useful supplements, um, garlic would have to be something there uh, that would need to be considered perhaps as a travelling companion 
to the three that we've mentioned. And it tastes so mm. good. It Four does, nine, it does. <laughs> 49216216 is the number to ring to get your question. Pauline's rung in from Wanji. Now, you've got a question about ginger and, uh, and other things too, Pauline. Yes, uh, hello, Dennis. How are you going? I'm well, Pauline. How are you? Good. Dennis, oh, look, good. I'm just inquiring. I, I take, uh, I mean, it's called naked ginger, like you buy in the shops. I've been yes. taking it now close to about 12 months. Yes. Is that good for viral infections? Okay. Um, going back to what we were saying earlier, ginger is, is uh, a member of a group of herbs of which um, um, cayenne and coriander and others are also members. They're known as warming remedies. They have usually a hot or a pungent taste, depending upon which one you're taking. Now, we do know that these remedies have an effect on promoting some immunological consequence. I talked about it fairly simply a moment ago when I said that uh, uh, using warming or heating herbs was a, a traditional medicine procedure for dealing with conditions characterised by cold. Now, you're talking about cold sores, which is a bit different. That is, of course, the herpes virus. But with, with ginger, uh, it has a particular immunological consequence. I did mention that that was particularly shown with reference to its effect in respiratory conditions. But I would think that it would be useful, put it that way, in, in addressing this condition. But um, I would think that if you're getting cold sores regularly, you might be better off uh, to contemplate taking something that has a little bit more stronger antiviral uh, reputation, and that would be to uh, go on to Echinacea or perhaps also the Astragalosate formulation. I, I frequently on this program talk about uh, the Astragalosate combination, which I brought into Australia probably 30 years ago, and interestingly, one of its main areas of benefit I have found, and in fact I've written on this, is its usefulness in addressing this uh, a chronic experience of the, of the herpes virus, um, herpes simplex in, in, in your case. Um, so I would say, look, certainly stick, stick with ginger, but if you're confronted with these wretched things, think about doing something a little bit more chronic and proactive, use perhaps the astragalosate preparation or echinacea and see if you can uh, boost the immunity and break out of them. Yes. No, that, that's fine, Dennis. So it wasn't it, the, uh, I was asking about the naked ginger in relation yeah. to yeah. Like, the flu coming on. Yeah. Now, the cold sores, I was going to ask about the cold sores. I yeah. only just have one now, which I haven't had them for a few years. Yes. I yeah. thought it was rather strange. Yeah. Well, now you've time with the right one to use. Well, yeah. look, uh, well, I mean, if you're only getting a, um, a cold sore, periodically, um, it probably is not necessary to, to use anything ongoingly. But, but even there, uh, I might just mention to listeners, if you use a cream with glycerotinic acid in it, known, okay. as, known as GA cream, that works particularly well. And also, this might interest listeners also, some of the topical preparations based on lemon balm. Oh, okay. Have a, have a remarkable reputation. If you have access to the internet, just punch in uh, lemon balm, Melissa officinalis is, is the botanical name, and you'll be, yeah. you'll be surprised at the amount of work that's been done on that remedy as a topical application for an emerging cold sore. So it might be worthwhile in your case just to have a, oh. a, a bit of that uh, on the, um, in the medicine chest 
and draw on it if you need it. At the same time, perhaps pump yourself up with a bit of echinacea. Right, that's good, yeah. I also take, um, I have a hot or lukewarm lemon drink every morning too as well. Well, I'm a great fan of that. I, I I have recommended... Um, lemon juice and warm water for years and years and years. It's an old traditional remedy. In the old days, it was u- used to, um, uh, to to clean out the liver and gallbladder. In, in the old days, there was a rather crude expression describing what we call a congested liver, which I'll not mention on radio, but using lemon juice and the bitterness of it in warm water has the effect of functioning as what we call a choleretic and a cholagog. Now, I'll explain that. Choleretic means something that stimulates bile production from the liver, and cholagog means something that promotes excretion of bile from the gallbladder. And I've always argued that using uh, lemon juice is a useful way, particularly in warm water, to start the day to flush what we call the biliary system, which usually leads to more regular and and more acceptable bowel functioning. And uh, we're looking at things to ward off winter ills as well as your comments. And, Mark, you've rung in from Maitland on 49216216 and you're after a magic potion. (laughs) Probably not a real good term. How are you, Dennis? I'm very well, Mark. How are you? Yes, good, mate. Not too bad at all. Mark, I was just wondering... Yes. So you've, uh, you've gone through all those, and they're, they're, yeah. all, they're all, all, yeah. all good, yeah. all bloody good. They are um, indeed. They are indeed. Is there is there a product available, or do you do you make a product that would have all of them in it? Look, it would be, like che- cheating a bit. It it, it would be unlikely. <laughs> I haven't got magic potions <laughs> as such. But what 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 I would say in a compensating way, Mark, is that those particular three supplements, the echinacea, uh, the cayenne or ginger and the vitamin C, they're so inexpensive, so inexpensive, that it probably wouldn't be worth anyone's while to put them all together. So it's probably better just to have the three on hand and do what I do every morning, stand at the at the uh, basin, so to speak, and pile those things down my throat and uh, and, and, and come and do the program. So <laughs> can't help you. Get into it, mate. <laughs> Count to three instead. Thanks for your time. Right on, mate. Thanks, Mark. And uh, just uh, a note from David who rang in from Newcastle and said that he grates clove of garlic into a glass of orange juice every night. And David's wondering whether he's doing the right thing. He's well, not online. Well, David, um, garlic is garlic. Uh, the only thing that uh, I do know is that garlic can be somewhat irritating if one takes it raw in large amounts. Um, I've had instances of where uh, people that are real garlic fans have uh, uh, boasted about their ability to take increasing amounts of uh, crude uh, garlic only to find that they've had a gut irritation or a bowel irritation. So what I would say is I think what you're doing is quite okay, uh, but there is a, a clove of garlic is not a huge amount, and putting it into something like orange juice or lemon juice is a nice way perhaps uh, to make it uh, more acceptable. Um, I can see no problem with doing that. Um, uh, I would encourage you to keep doing it, particularly if you're doing it for some time, and it would probably in that form attenuate uh, some of the potential irritation that could come from taking uh, taking a clove raw 
uh, unappended by any food or, or other substance. So I think you're probably doing the right thing there, David. Well done, David. Mm, mm. Now we're going to have a change of tack here, Dennis. Mm. Michael has rung in on 49216216 from mm. Singleton. Now we're going back to last week's program thinking about mm, itchings, mm. itching skin and sure, eczema. Sure. So, Michael, um, your question. Yes, Dennis, how are you? I'm well, Michael, how are you? Yeah, good. Look, good. I come in on the tail end of a uh, conversation okay. uh, last okay. week okay. regarding, uh, I know pine tar was one yeah. of the ingredients, yeah. Yeah. but I can't for the life of me remember what the other okay. ingredient was. I was talking about a few a few things that can be used topically to ease uh, itch, mm-hmm. and, and pine tar is well known. Uh, by the way, just uh, before we go any further there, pine tar is also frequently um, alternated with juniper tar, which is known as oil of cade. Both those preparations share the same characteristics. Um, but outside of that, I did mention the way in which common menthol, uh, menthol. Particularly, mm-hmm. when, particularly when combined with uh, pied tar preparations, gives uh, to uh, the itch and potentially inflamed area a degree of coolness reinfor- and also a little bit of anaesthetic type activity. And I've used that combination myself. I periodically get a little bit of varicose eczema and I, I treat it topically essentially and find that products in the marketplace and there are quite a few of them go to your pharmacist and say look Dennis was talking about a particular lotion from a well-known company that contains um, menthol and pine tar uh, that gives me good relief and others that I've recommended it to vouch for it um, keeping in mind that that a niche condition uh, can become so irritable that one itches it so frequently that it can become oh. infected. And if it's in the area of the of the of the leg or the of the shin, um, it can even lead to ulceration. So any okay, yeah. any itch condition, particularly associated, say with a with a dermatitis or an eczema, and varicose eczema is a very common condition, um, needs to be worked against because the itch can lead to a more serious consequence. So pine tar. Um. Pine tar, uh, menthol, and I also on the program uh, mentioned a preparation that is not well known, but it was well known up until about the time of the Second World War, and it's known as Pusey's, P-U-S-E-Y-S, Pusey's Calamine Liniment. Now, we know of calamine lotion, and it's essentially calamine lotion, but in this particular preparation, it has a small therapeutic level of phenol, now, phenol is, as you understand it, is a poison, uh, but, but like many uh, substances in, in, in safe therapeutic levels, they can be used in the treatment of, of human distress. I would suspect that you would have to get that made from a compounding pharmacist. I can vouch, okay. I can vouch for its e- efficacy because my dear pharmacy colleague, um, whom I weep over because he's just retired, and, and, and I really worry about that. He was he used to make my pusies, um, um calamine liniment, a magnificent preparation, and it, it used to take over from other remedies that just weren't uh, giving the result. Uh, a compounding pharmacist, I'm sure, could uh, look that up. If you have a pharmacist up there that does compounding and he hasn't got access to the formula, tell him to ring my rooms and I'll happily give it to him, or you can ring either way. But that is a preparation also that I've used frequently. 
also, and I'll have to finish on this note, also um, my experience with topical applications of chickweed. Now, most, uh-huh. most people know what chickweed looks like. That's right. Uh, yeah. And it, uh, the canaries and my ghoulians used to love it. Um, love it but yeah. but um, chickweed has what we call antipruritic characteristics. Now, what you can, what you can, what you can do here and what listeners can do with chickweed and make sure you're able to identify it because there are some other um, green-leafed, how can I call them, herbs that look like chickweed. Chickweed has a lovely light green leaf with a small white flower on it. If you know what it looks like, you can harvest it, put a handful of it in a wide-mouthed jar and then pour on top of that as much olive oil as you can possibly fit into the jar. Then seal it with a lid and let it stand in a warm place for a week or two. At the end of that period of time, you will find you've got a light green oil. Uh, Filter filter that oil off. Leave the the mark, as we call it, that is the the soggy herb behind, because all the active has come out of it and has gone into solution into the oil. Now, that preparation is known as the infused oil, of Stellaria, that's the botanical name of chickweed. So that's a very, very useful ointment. And a, a famous uh, British herbalist known as Alfred Priest, in a lot of his literature, he used to use the infused oil of chickweed for making up some of his chickweed ointments and chickweed creams. And I remember treating a young lad in, in Newcastle when I first came back from Sydney in the 80s who was very severely afflicted with a skin condition, and it was almost a spontaneous remission from the itch and from the inflammatory skin condition that he had by simply using the infused oil of chickweed. And we're looking at ginger again, but this time you want to talk about raw ginger. Uh, yes, um, I can vouch for uh, raw ginger, Dennis. Um, whenever I get a head cold, um, uh, I just cut off a little slice off the end of a piece of raw ginger root and uh, if you're game enough to um, suck on that it'll cer- certainly clear your nose in about two seconds <laughs> I, I would totally and entirely vouch for that in fact I, I, I had a, a colleague of mine and he had a ginger preparation, he used to call it Kicker, jo- kicker germ joy juice, and it was, yeah. <laughs> it, was it was it was based on raw ginger. And I think he threw also a bit of cinnamon in it, but it was yeah. a lo- it was a lo- enough to uh, dilate every orifice in the body. Yeah, well, uh, I just uh, I don't put in with anything. I just uh, get yeah, the, the raw ginger by, yep. and you just uh, slice it off. Yeah. I need a thin slice, yeah. and you you chew on that. And yep. I tell you what. It'll clear your nose uh, and your eyes of water, but it, it's the best thing. I totally agree. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you rang in, Greg, because that, that sometimes we talk about simple culinary things. People think that we go over the top. But yes. you, you confirm what I said earlier, that some of these culinary herbs, the gingers, the cayennes, the corianders, they are powerful medicinal agents. And you don't have to mix it with anything. You, don't, you, don't, you just take them. And, 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 and we learn a lot of this from traditional uh, Southeast Asian and even South Asian diets where these things are incorporated into, the, into their food uh, because in those cultures, these things are seen as foods with a medicinal activity. And um, if we were to learn a little bit more from traditional dietary practices, I think we'd have a lot less 
of these congestive respiratory conditions that we see so much. I hope from what you've said, Greg, many listeners go out and buy a lot of raw ginger and clean their system right out. (laughs) Sounds like a great thing to do. While we're on ginger, Steve has rung in from Barnsley. Now, you've got a comment to make or a story to tell about ginger as well, Steve. G'day, Dennis. Hello, Steve. Mate, when I was young, the doctor, I'm the eldest of four. Yes, and we had childhood asthma. Yes. Now, her mum yes. was from the country. Yes. And she used to make what she called a ginger plant. Yes, yes. Which was in a jar. Yes. And she would put this powder in, I suppose it was cinnamon, whatever. Yes, yes. And make homemade ginger beer. Yes. Um, and I have... No asthma at all. Yes. No symptoms. Yes. Um, just from having that, I was uh, winning running races. Yes. Um, playing football and no problems in breathing. And that doesn't surprise me, Steve, and I'm glad you've rang in because I mentioned earlier in the program of all the warming herbs, ginger is the one that has the most reputation for address- addressing the lung and the bronchial system. And uh, what you've mentioned there is that we, we, we suspect that ginger probably works on the respiratory system in two ways. It probably improves the what we'd call the inflow of, uh, of, of uh, leukocytes, that is white blood cells that fight infection as a result of the improved blood flow to respiratory yeah. tissue. But also, also, ginger is what we refer to as a mucolytic agent, that is, it has the potential to break up pockets of mucus and facilitate their easy expectoration. So by using that, I suspect your asthma was improved as a result of improved hygiene in the respiratory system, i.e. less infection, and secondly, as a result of the ginger in that product, uh, breaking up mucus, lessening the congestion, and as a result, easing your breathing. Well done, Steve. Mate, um, the, the thing... That um, <laughs> um, was her big thing was that when they moved from the country to the city, yes, um, this is in the thirties, yes. Um, uh, her mother was um, not really keen on getting um, any vaccinations, and mm. she suffered from. Whooping cough yes. all her life yes. from three. Yes. Um, so she was very determined that her children wouldn't have any breathing yeah. problems. How about that? Ah, that sounds as though it was the way to go. Thank was you indeed. very much for that story, Steve. And just a final question, uh, Dennis. Bianca rang in a little earlier from Rutherford. She's not on the line now. And she's asking about powdered garlic. Uh, is it possible to use concentrated garlic powder instead of raw garlic? Um, I, would think, I would think that would be probably a better way to go because some people are intolerant to, to uh, raw garlic uh, as, well, as well as raw ginger. Keep in mind, many, many, many garlic products in the marketplace 
particularly in encapsulated form, are based on garlic powder. And they wouldn't yes. be there unless they had a reputation of benefit. So, yes, go ahead with the garlic powder. That sounds like a good way to go. Uh, ginger powder as well for ginger? Uh, absolutely. Fantastic. And we're just about at the end of Health yeah, Naturally. Wow, how about that? What a great program. We've made you work hard this we time, have. We've Dennis. solved all the respiratory problems in Newcastle with a bit of ginger. Excellent. And uh, we've done a few other things as well. Excellent, and we're <laughs> ready for winter. That's the other thing. So Dennis Stewart will be back next Friday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.